and Alaskan gardeners. On this beautiful morning. Uh It's all so exciting. It's a perfect time for seasonal color, huh? Perfect time for a day off. (laughs) (laughs) Golly. And all it has to do is to rain two inches overnight and you get to have a day off. Well, that's right. And blow like mad. Yep, I'm ready. And the leaves are turning colors. Golly, I'm looking at the Japanese maples. You know, the Japanese maples are so incredible. You know, people think they're too exotic, but, you know, they're tough. Not only tough, the the big green Japanese maples that have the red around the edges where it's just beginning to turn color now. mm -hmm. That's so pretty. It is. And uh, the Korean maples that we have are beautiful. Oh, good morning, Conversations. Yeah, I have two questions. Um, do root maggots attack cabbage? And then I transplanted rhubarb last year. Can I cut stalks of it? Okay, I'll tell you on the air. A, the root maggots that attack cabbage are, yes, cabbage, fly, maggots, and there's a whole series of different families than the ones that attack the rhododendrons. Not the same animal at all, but yes, there are root maggots that attack cabbages. And you know, when I took organic gardening, they would tell us to put tar collars, tar paper. That's, for, that's what they used for, to do a long for, time for ago. For roofing around and make a slit in a big square and have it go around the stem of your cabbage and your broccoli and, and all of those uh, cabbage style plants to keep the flies off of your vegetables. Um, I don't I, know if it worked. I, that's what I did though. When I was a, <laughs> When I was a young boy, and just beginning in that stuff, uh, they sold them in packages of about a hundred, and they were a, uh, a a little collar, you know, a little a circular collar that stood up like the like an old fashioned collar around your shirt. Well, I was just a city girl. I didn't I didn't live out there in the country, so I just oh, went out got, there in the country. I, I just bought some paper <laughs> from a roofing company and cut it into squares and put it around my cabbages well, there, and my anyway, broccoli. There is a big family of uh, root maggots that are the, the larvae of a fly that do attack all the cabbage family, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, all those things. Right. And one of the things they do to prevent them is when you plant them in the springtime, you put reme over the whole bed and tuck it in around the edges. And that's if there weren't already eggs in the soil there because you'd grown cabbages there before. That's one of the things they say about rotating your garden space is that p- particular pests aim for particular p- things, things like right. so if you've been growing potatoes in that area for five years you got to move it to something else anyway and what was his other question rhubarb oh Can yeah you if you transplanted a rhubarb you got to give it another year well don't you cut it back for winter though break it off make it smaller you just let it get as big and let it melt when the snow and ice it you know because you know my my rhubarb had to live in a can on its side for a couple of years (laughs) before i could get it in the ground i've got to be the worst gardener but you know uh at least my kids could wear shoes (laughs) that's right and you know what too uh as the season draws on to the end and the leaves start going down i don't i see no reason to let that stuff decay right you're right probably you should be able to harvest it at the end of the season unless the weather gets worse you should be able to leave it in the ground for at least another month or six weeks before you have to do anything to it because you want it to grow as much of a root system as you possibly can and if you haven't fed it with some type of organic fertilizer like fish fertilizer or chicken manure or something go ahead and give it a hit now for root sustainability through the winter time and rhubarb is tough 
Yeah, isn't it though? And you know, I bought this antique rhubarb. Did I tell you about that? Yes. Red champagne oh, from red the champagne. 1500s. Uh-huh. It's so sweet. I couldn't believe well, what a sweet taste Well, some people don't think it's so sweet, Dave, but you think it's sweet. Oh, I thought, well, everybody that has tried it that I've seen has said, wow, that's really different than the rhubarb in my yard. It is sweet right like this. Chris Waste didn't think it was sweet. She went, yuck. Oh. Yuck. <laughs> well, Chris is an exceptionally sensitive person. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Seasonal color, anyway. Japanese maples are starting to show it. Other things are starting to show it too. I love the way the wetlands look once they go blonde and all that grass is out there being bleached. It's just and waving around in the wind. Waving around. Oh yeah, it's lovely. It's Absolutely so lovely pretty. Like that. To me, it's always the wetlands that indicate the change in the weather first, because. Uh, they're advanced. I'm looking at the blueberry bushes and the scattering of red showing up on the, the dusky green leaves. So pretty like that. Mm-hmm. With all, it starts looking speckled. Really, really pretty. And I've got some, some uh, domestic blueberries, you know, hybrid domestic With blueberries. With a lot with, of berries on them. They're huge berries. A huge berry crop surpri- on them this year. I'm surprised that chipmunks haven't found them. Well, they probably will because they're just starting to blue up now. As a matter of fact, I was looking at one today thinking, I'm going to eat you this afternoon. <laughs> because also, the little birds, the little birds traveling through town are so exciting. They're so There's pretty. so many of them. They're so pretty. It's like all those evergreens are like big bird hotels, and they go in them and hide and then make their little sounds, and some of them are bright yellow and warblers. And yellow and brown and yellow and black. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And some real pretty blue. We saw some really pretty blue in What the I thought was amazing was seeing Norway the, the uh, hummingbirds and the warblers together popping in and out of the same little bushy yeah, place. Yeah, it was like the bird hotel. Uh-huh. They're having a little, a little party in there. That's what it looked like. Somebody's playing jazz. <laughs> yep, that was perfect. And so what else is starting to show color are the spireas, those birch leaf spireas that we like so much. They're, and you know what's nice about them is they're sterile. That's one thing that's nice about it. Well, right. you You're know, right. as it much as... It doesn't spread. As much as I like spireas because they are really tough and they grow in horrible scenarios, environments, you know, uh-huh. really bad. They're just too tough. There's some growing out of grates in the street from having seeded in the edge of a metal yep. drain. But uh, they, the old style really threw out seed, you know? So when you plant it in the landscape, you're pulling out seedlings all over the place. Yep. It's, it's Little prolific as grass. God, yes. And, you know, and, and uh, the, the Van Hooties, the Bridal Veil Spireas. Right, so, so now that they're starting to make sterile varieties, that means you don't have to worry about them invading your garden bed when you plant them. And those tours and glow girls are spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And I have, I got some pictures I was probably going to post today or tomorrow showing the, the beginning of the summer, of the fall color there at the ones that you transplanted, you put up in the nursery. Uh-huh. The, you know, you, you got about 200 of them out there that are just, just turning into the red, red and gold color right now. So lovely. We have a few more plugs that we need to plant too. Lingonberries too. I'm sure we'll get to those too. And you know what else? The uh, monardas came in. I know. The monardas are going to be great. Uh-huh. And I know and Margaret you know, started ordering these, these uh, bee bulbs in February. 
and they finally, finally shipped them to us. You know, that's eight months later. So, well, so that we have purple ones and bright pink ones. We have pale pink ones. We have we don't have any dark red ones. We only have the shades of pink and purple, and they're vivid and beautiful. And these new dwarf varieties are so very very cool. They're tough and compact. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than being big and let the wind blow them apart, these no, these are don't. a they bulky. Don't fall apart. They're a basketball sized little ball. They're really so. great to plant with. Um, Lilies, if you want to have a bright yellow lily or orange lily planted with them, it really makes the color pop. And a stilby, they all take that same, any kind of shade to bright sun environment. And that the bright yarrow, yellow yarrow. The yarrow is really beautiful with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love that. The roseanne geranium, I mean, all those things together make your border just pop. For the late summer period right now, yeah, they're great. And the color is so intense. What's really pretty there, too, in that combination is that golden, I mean, that gray, lacy foliage with the Achillea, with the yarrow. I know. You know, it makes all those other colors really smoothly blend together. Right. And as much as I love the silver-leaved perennials, uh, the lamb's ears and, you know, the lychnis coronaria and stuff like that, it's really hard to always have it be successful every season just like this year it was so cold and wet for so long before we had nice summer weather it was almost the end of june before it showed up uh things don't necessarily thrive when it's too damp they grow Mm -hmm. and they're alive but they're not thriving and i like my plants to thrive and particularly those kind of gray things uh good morning conversations yeah uh just master gardener like that yeah what can we do for you I just had a question for them. Okay. And I just wanted to see if they would cover uh, the timing and process of taking strawberry stringers and transplanting. Okay, we'll tell you on the air. We sure will. Thanks for calling in. Okay, bye. Bye. Well, August is the month for fertilizing your strawberries. That's right. And during the month of August is when strawberries make their fruit for the following year. So you only got a few more days. That's right. <laughs> so, so the strawberry plants have been busy. And one of the things they also do is they throw out all those little offsets. And so the strawberry sends out a runner that's like a, a long stem. And at the end of that stem is another little strawberry plant. And, that, and the, there's a whole group of plants that do this same kind of mechanism. Let's just talk about strawberries. So... You look at on the end of the plant, and there are the little beginning plantlet, but it doesn't have any roots on it yet. So you can set it into a container or set it down on the ground and put a little dirt around it. And once it starts to root into that medium, then you can cut it free. Before that... Don't cut it free before it grows roots. That's right. But it should grow roots pretty quickly. It will. It will grow roots quite quickly. And like I said, you can either let it grow roots there in the ground and plan on leaving it there, or you can put it into some kind of little container to move it around. Lots of people take those runners that have gone off to the sides and before they have roots on them, take them around and lay them back into the bed of the strawberry. So rather than let it spread out sideways, they keep laying them back into the to row. To make a ground cover. Yeah, dense. to make it a real dense ground cover. Okay, lay it back in the row, dig a little hole with your fingers, stick that rootlet down in there, and let it root right there. And like Margaret said, give the whole plant some fertilizer now. 
Not a, not an awful lot of fertilizer. You don't want it to, you want to, to do spring a liquid, back into growth. But a you want liquid to, tea or a, something gentle, but saturating the soils. You know, it's not for it's it's to be taken in through the roots. And it doesn't have just nitrogen, so you're not going to use like lawn fertilizer for it. You're going to use something. Fertilizers are expressed in three numbers, and you have to make sure that there's some in all those categories for this kind of fertilizer for the strawberries. Good morning, Conversations. I'd like to know that Arbor um, Foundation sent everybody all those survey uh, slips out? I don't know. I didn't get one. Oh, okay. So what's, I just wonder what's, what it, it, what's it about? Well, it's a survey. Uh-huh. So they ask you about certain amount of trees and... You know, what they're trying to find out, what you know, what you don't know. However, it seems like it's just they want money. But maybe they're thinking about Alaskans to have classes. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. I can certainly understand, and I bet they are asking for donations. The Arbor Day Foundation exists, you know, only on donations. So... Of course, that's what they're doing, like any other kind of foundation. It'd be neat to see what the survey says. What, you know, what kind of trees? What are they promoting for trees? That would be, you know, what people, you know, I would think birch trees. You know, if there's any ever a tree that people love in Alaska, they're going to have birch trees. I mean, we, it's not my favorite tree, but it's people like what they know, right? You, you buy a Subaru because you know Subaru, or you buy a Ford because you know a Ford. Well, the same thing's true out in your garden. Nobody ever comes to the nursery and says, I want one of those that I don't know what it is, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. I know exactly what you mean. That's so right. So I'm going to, I'll look for that Arbor, Va- Arbor Day survey. I'd like to read what they're asking. Thank okay. you for calling. Arbor Day Foundation. I'll, we'll check it out. So we are ordering trees right now. That's, as a, a matter of fact, we're ordering stuff for next season. And one of the things it's coming in a couple of weeks. That's right. So it's coming now. No, I mean we're ordering now for a shipment right now. Yes, yes. we're ordering right now for right now. And we have some uh, some progress. And we have some things coming, and among them are uh, Deborah Norway maples and Katsura trees. The Katsura is so beautiful. It comes from northern Japan. It does. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful, and it comes as an upright, and it also comes as a weeper. And, you know, most weeping trees have to get to be a certain age before they look pretty. Up, before, up until then, and they kind of look like gangly teenagers, you know, where I do. pieces aren't quite coordinated together. But the Katsura is always graceful, no matter what age or, or stage it's in. And, and the, the leaf is beautiful and changes color. And what I really love about it that maples don't have is it's little and it blows away. <laughs> <laughs> you have to rake a maple. You well, don't have to rake a katsura. Okay. For those of you who you don't know what a katsura tree is, look it up. Think think about the uh, trees that are around the GCI building over there on Old Dairy Road. They ring ring the building. Those are katsura trees. Good morning, conversations. I yeah. So I have a question about my um, heather on my porch. Can I put it in my garden and it will grow? And my second question is. Um, my peony. How is it going to be okay in my garden? Yes. We'll tell you both on the air, okay? Okay, thank you. Thank you. 
So the peony is exceptionally so tough. If, you should have no trouble with that. If you're calling from Juno, this is an answer for Juno. If you live in Sitka, all those things are going to be just fine. The heather is sketchy here, don't you think, Dave? Yeah, we haven't ha- we haven't been able to keep it more than nope. some, on a really really nice winter. We've had we've had maybe half of them live through that. I would say you need you need to put if you want to try to have a heather, you need to put some type of protection protection something that doesn't lay down on it, something that's strong enough to uh, keep the snow off of it from freezing on it and becoming icy. You know, where it can take the cold, it just can't take all that wet and ice in the wintertime. And what you might want to do with it is to put it in a container and put it someplace that it could be protected. It's such a pretty thing, and it blooms so early. A garden shed, some not someplace heated. Right. And you want to remember to water it. You have to be able to get to it, to throw a little water on it periodically throughout the winter, otherwise it just dries up. Uh, what also works really well is an unheated greenhouse. And stuff can live in there that can't live outdoors. Just enough protection to give it, you know, one more. Even a plastic, a little plastic greenhouse. Yeah, even a little plastic greenhouse. And the peony, what to know about the peony is a peony has a growth bud right at the base of where the stem is. Isn't that where it is? And you don't want to bury it too deeply, otherwise it won't bloom for you. It will live, but it won't send up flower buds. And you should look online about that so that you could find out about promoting peony flowers. And a peony is a really, really long-lived perennial. I mean, to say a couple hundred years is not an exaggeration. But it is also like a big hog. It wants a really deep soil base where it can send down roots, even in our climate that we have here. So whether it's a raised bed or you just work your soil deeply, give it room to grow, and it will give you a lot of flowers and a lot of pleasure. And what Margaret's saying about how deep they are, you want the, the top of the bud to be no deeper than an inch under the soil surface. So sometimes they're planted too deep and then they don't flower. Right. It's not that it dies, but it doesn't perform. But peonies do really well here. Yep, really well. Okay, and among the other things that, that uh, we were talking about today was it's coming up to the fall bulb season. Yeah, you know, and fall bulbs are wonderful. And for people who are uh, really vigorous and they want to get out there and plant them every year that's what you pretty much have to do and like last year when the month when it went a month longer it was not real successful with the fall bulbs there were some but not a lot um but crocus if you want to invest in crocus i'm going to promote crocus because crocus you plant it once and it just keeps on going and it goes for again 50 or 60 years and they reproduce themselves and they spread and they get stronger and there's nothing as delightful as that early early spring crocus blooming when it's still got snow on the ground well i planted them at the capitol building and from the sunny main street corner all the way down to the shady seward street corner it takes about a month for that crocus to completely bloom and they come back every year yep delightful absolutely delightful well, I was uh, talking to Tyler Rental yesterday. Now, Tyler, yes. And they got a new crop of blowers in. 
the you, still blowers. I mean, not a new crop, a new shipments. They don't raise. You the mean the battery crop. powered blowers? They got battery powered and they got gas powered. They got backpack blowers and they have the handheld blowers. I like both. I like the gas powered for my commercial work where I really need to blow the heck out of things into the edge or off the edge or wherever. And yet for a for my home or for my lighter, that easily handheld battery-powered blower is fabulous. Isn't that great? Yeah, it is. And the battery that for that power, powers so many other still things, too. Yeah. Hedge trimmers, chainsaws, all that kind of stuff. No, and... Um, and where you are, when you blow stuff on a, on a project, most people blow things off their lawn into the flower bed, and you do the opposite. You blow out of the beds into the lawn so you can pick it up with your lawnmower. Right. I noticed that's really a smart maintenance technique. Well, there's nothing worse for your flower bed than grass. You know, well, buttercups and there's a few other things. Horsetail. Horsetail. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not mowing or Squirrels. doing that every week, you right. know. And so as a way to maintain is you use your blower like a vacuum. You're directing it to the vacuum, and that's what the mower is. The mower sucks it up and puts it in its hopper, and then you can manage it from there. Uh -huh. And when you have big trees and you can blow the, the big leaves off into the lawn area and then pick them up with a mower, that's so much easier than any other way they can manage it. So go go over, check out the new still blowers, uh, Tyler, and look at the one that's going to fit you. you big know, ones, little ones, medium-sized ones? Of all those machines that we've rented from, from uh, Tyler, and I, I'm sure we have rented everything, my favorite is that extended forklift. Wasn't if that I great? were going to buy a machine <laughs> and learn how to run one, that would be it for me. Margaret and I moved a great big rhododendron last week. Yeah. Great big, eight feet tall, eight feet across. Yeah, the biggest one we've ever moved. I mean, uh -huh. we've, we've moved some big rhododendrons, but it was a challenge, and it was old. That's right. Probably 50 years in that site. Or more. Uh, or more, right. And, and uh, the extended reach forklift, you could reach in underneath the plant and pick it up, and it came up like a... First, first, you dig a big trench all the way around the root mass, as far out to the drip line as you can get. Then, once you expose that and you manage to lower the edge of the bed down so the forks can get to it, you can pick it up. Yep, and we picked it up from one side and then pulled out, picked it up from the other side and pulled to, out, went over to the middle and picked it up, and we could just pick that thing up and go lay it down. How much uh, do you think that weighed? Oh, 1,500 pounds. Mm -hmm, it was big. At least, right. Well, so what it meant was by the time I got it out to the end of the reach with the forks, the back wheels of the machine were starting to come off the ground. So that's about <laughs> 1,500 pounds. So we're lucky to have Tyler. They're Absolutely. really good people to work with. And... Uh, if you know you're going to have a project, give them a heads up so you can make reservations for using any of their machines. And having a blower on your job really means you can leave your job looking neat and tidy, which to me is the sign of a good job. Uh -huh. We had Clark Tree Service work on our yard the other day, and I noticed that they also use still blowers. The, the big heap of sawdust and all the messy stuff. Yep. All blown All away. All blown away. That's right. So off into the woods. It was just lovely. Well, and still Thanks a lot, Rich. It was really a nice job. Still is such a good quality machine. Absolutely. So we're going to be open today, Landscape Alaska. 
It's going to be rainy, but we'll have some of the most beautiful things you can imagine. And one of the nice things are the big hydrangeas that are coming into bloom. They just take a beating. And, and they've been out in the rain all night. Didn't tick, seem to bother tick, them tick. at all. You know, and the new flowers are opening on them, and they're just creamy, creamy, light green. And then they're ripening as they turn pink, and they're going to get dark red. Right. And, um... and if you're interested in having a tree form hydrangea, speak to me right away because I am going to bring a few up this next week. And I have to say a shout out to Randy Hulse for bringing my doors. He redid all the doors inside my house with new hardware and painted them and everything. And they just look fabulous, Randy. I'm sure you don't need any more work. But if it, you are looking for a project and would like to have a really good quality contractor, Randy Hulse at H&H Construction is my go-to guy. 321-1269, Rando. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. So, uh... We're coming up to the end of our program. We've got just a couple minutes left. Is there something you think you'd like to, to address for a few minutes? Well, I do want to... apples? I also wanted to give a shout-out to Wayne Smith for doing all that excavation and changing the grading out there at the house we were working at this week out on Ocnu. did a fabulous job, Wayne. Fabulous job. And, and what a dramatic change. Transformation. Instead of the water going into their garage... It sweeps down around the house and out to the woods. Mm -hmm. It's great. Just, yes. Changed the whole grading pattern. It was wonderful. So the other thing we haven't talked about today is dwarf conifers. Ooh, I love them. That's right, because we got just a few kinds that really do well around here. And once you see them and get to know them, you'll go, oh, that's going to be just perfect for the where really I Really dwarf mugo pines are fabulous. Yes. Really, really dwarf. They're really beautiful. And that weird uh, Banksia pine with mm -hmm. its contorted little branches, little tiny bonsai-like branches, so pretty. And just before we hang up, because we're getting off the air, strawberries do make a wonderful hanging basket if you have established strawberries that you would like to keep but you don't have very much space or whatever. They really can take the winter weather in a basket, especially if you have it just sitting on the ground. And the slugs can't get to them. Yes. When you have in hanging, the springtime. Oh, and how pretty they look hanging there on the, the hanging basket, all those bouncing little red berries. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll be open today till 4 o'clock, and we'll be open tomorrow from noon to 4 and come and see me and look at these uh, beautiful new monardas, the bee balm that Margaret brought in, and the Roseanne geraniums that are in full bloom now, and the hydrangeas. I tell you, seeing the hydrangeas come into color this time of year is so pretty. Okay. And we went up and looked at the recovery center at the hospital, and somebody... Somebody did a marvelous landscape job there. I did. Oh, I yeah, did it. I think it was you, wasn't it? And it's in bloom right now. You ought to go check it out. That's such a lovely site there. Okay, we're talking to, uh, to you again next week. This is Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners, Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum from Landscape Alaska. We're wishing you all happy gardening. Old 